just lift your hands and begin to thank him. Begin to thank him for all he's done in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. We glorify your holy name, my God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We worship you with all our hearts, all our strength, all our might, my God. We are nothing without you, God. We are nothing without you, God. We need you so badly. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence, not only here in this place, but in our lives, my God, daily, all of the great and mighty things that you're doing, not only in us, but around the world, my God. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing, God. And we're very careful to give you all the honor and glory tonight. Let no flesh glory in your presence, God. And I pray you will open our hearts and our minds no one will walk out the same way they came in, my God. Challenge each and every one of us. And we give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. As you remain standing, I would like you to turn your uh, Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 4. I didn't really have a message for this until my wife was singing. I mean, when you're a team, things happen, Amen. How many married people we have? Wouldn't have it any other way, amen. Marked for honor. That's the title of this message tonight, Marked for Honor. Acts chapter 4, we're going to read one verse, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Shake someone's hand and you may be seated. Amen. Amen. Now, in Acts chapter 3, we know that Peter and John were on their way to the temple. That's how come they, they, people understood that they had been with Jesus. Because when you worship and you pray, who are you, who you with? You're with Jesus, right? So they were on their way to the temple, and they seen this man that was sitting there begging probably for years and years and years. We don't know. He was crippled from birth. And the Bible says he was just there, and he was looking for alms. I believe he was probably there when Jesus walked into the temple. Now, we don't know why Jesus didn't heal him. Jesus could have healed him at any time, but he didn't. He chose not to. But here he is. He's sitting there, and he wants to receive something. But what he wants to receive is finances. He wants to receive money. And, and Peter and John, being in Victor Outreach, they said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. So he was looking for a handout, and he received a hand up. Amen. And you know the story. He, he, he got saved. He got healed. And immediately, and remember this, because he was crippled, he was never allowed in the temple. Because if you were unclean or you were crippled, they wouldn't let you in the temple. So here he was. His very first steps took him where? Inside the temple. And he began to jump. He began to praise God. He began to worship. Now, all the religious rulers knew this guy. Year after year, they seen him sitting there begging. And the first thing he did, he glorified God. He went in the temple and he began to worship. And everyone was amazed at the healing. Everybody saw it. Amen? But the religious rulers didn't like it. They didn't like it. They got mad. So they put Peter and John in jail. And then the next day, they began to question them. And the Bible says they spoke boldly. The Bible says that they realized or some versions say they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
The phrase comes from a root word meaning known by some distinguishing mark. There was just something in their life that was different. Have you ever walked down the street and you just know that you know that this person in front of you is a Christian? You can't explain it. You, you, you never met this person, but you just bear witness because you're a Christian. And even when we were in the world and we seen Christians, we didn't like them. Amen. Some of us didn't. But we could tell that there was something different about their life. There was a distinguishing mark within their life. And that's what happens when we accept Christ. There is a mark upon our lives. Are you with me? Now, some of us try to hide that mark, you know, but we don't want to hide the mark. Amen. And after tonight, we're going to know if you're hiding it or not. I heard a story one time that there was this pregnant woman. She was born again. She was a Christian. And she was driving a car, and she was pregnant. She was going to have, give birth to twins. She was like eight and a half months pregnant, so she was close. And she's driving in the car, and unfortunately, she got into a car accident. And she went into a coma for about two weeks. And, and, but thank God she pulled out of the coma. And the doc, she, right away she's looking for her belly. Oh, no, what happened to my children? She got scared. She thought, oh, no, my kids might have died in the accident. So she calls the doctor and the doctor comes in. And she goes, what happened to my babies? Oh, they're okay. And she goes, wow, thank God. She began to, you know, praise God that the children are okay. And then she goes, well, we didn't name them. And nobody named them. Oh, no, no, no problem. Your brother named them. Now, the brother's not saved, you know, and he's a little bit off, a little bit. So she goes, oh, no, I wonder what, she, what he named them. So they call him in, and she, called, she talks to the brother, and she goes, well, I, I need to know what you named my children, you know. What did you name my daughter? Denise. Well, that's not bad. That's pretty good. You did good on that one. Denise, I like that name. Well, what did you name the son, the boy? The nephew. He wasn't all there. He didn't have a distinguishing mark upon his life. Because we use wisdom when we have that mark. Amen. Are you with me? See, they didn't understand. The religious rulers of that day, they just didn't understand what was the difference between Peter and John. All they know is they came, they did a miracle, but they didn't understand. It, it kind of reminds me of, of, of Acts chapter 8 when, when uh, Stephen, Stephen, was being stoned. And remember Saul was standing there and he was, he was approving the death of Stephen? Remember that? And the Bible says that when Stephen died, he had the face of what? An angel. And what did he say? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Paul saw the way, that, actually it was Saul of Tarsus at that time, he saw the way he died and something began to happen because he saw the distinguishing mark upon Stephen's life. And that mark outlived Stephen. And you have to understand the distinguishing mark upon your life is going to outlive you. And what happened, he couldn't handle the conviction. So what did he do? He began to persecute the church. That's why some of us, before we came to Christ, when we seen people with a distinguishing mark, we didn't like them. We began to fight against God. And that's what happened with Paul. But see, all of a sudden, I believe these synagogue rulers are thinking, man, we just crucified this Jesus. We just crucified him. He's dead, but he's still speaking. He's still doing miracles. He's still making things happen. He's still changing lives. Then they got mad. 
They couldn't handle the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Through two ordinary, uneducated men. Ordinary guys. See, when Jesus picked his guys, he didn't go the, to the theological seminary, although we need teaching, we need to grow. I'm not against that. We need that. But that's not where he went. Why? Because they're already poisoned. They're already poisoned. That's why I love Victory Outreach folk, amen? I love us. You know why? Because we come from the streets. We, we, God kid takes us out of the gutter, man, heals us, mends us, puts us through the home or whatever he's going to do, and then we get trained. Are you with me? And God does what he's got to do in our lives. But see, these men were marked with the power and the anointing of God upon their lives. When they spoke, it was not their words. It was the words of God. And it cut through the heart. Now, I want to look real quickly at four distinguishing marks of those that have been with Jesus. And you can kind of see where you're at as we look at these four marks. How many know we need to study and check ourselves out at times? How many want to be marked with Jesus? Marked for honor. Amen. Number one, they're hungry for more of Christ. When you've been with Jesus, you get hungry for more of Christ. You can't get enough. I can't get enough. I just love to be in his presence. Are you with me? Ephesians 4, 7 says, but to each one of us, grace has been given. Romans 12, 3 says, we have all been given a measure of faith. Every one of us sitting here has a measure. Do you believe that? Every one of us, we have a measure. We had enough to receive Jesus Christ within our heart. We had enough to walk through these doors, even if we don't know the Lord. We have a measure. Everybody has a measure. But a measure is a limited amount. And see, God wants to increase that measure of faith within our lives. Are, are you with me? See, for some people, that little measure is all they want. That's all I desire. As long as I can stay off drugs, as long as I can stop drinking, as long as I can stop womanizing, as long as I can stay in church, as long as I can make it to heaven, that's good enough for me. They just want that measure. But they say, I don't want to get that increasing measure of faith. I don't work at it. I'm satisfied right where I'm at. They want to maintain their Christianity. They get in maintenance mode. You know why? They don't want to get too close to Jesus. Because you know what happens when you get close to Jesus? He takes you out of the comfort zone. He does. I don't feel like laying carpet. I'm, I'm an old man already. <laughs> I know I look good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But I can't stay comfortable. God did not call me to be comfortable. I got, I got to do things for God. I've been close to Jesus. I can't just see here and not look for things to do. You know, when you get close to Jesus, that's what happens, man. God will take you out of your comfort zone. You'll hop on a plane. You'll go to a country where you don't even know, and you'll begin to minister, and God will begin to use your life when you get close to Jesus. You'll be here today. What can I do? What can I do? Man, we have some men coming in here and say, what can we do? What can we do? Not even just guys in the home. Just guys that say, man, I want to do something for God. That's what we need. This wall's got to come down. Amen. Are we going to wait five more years or are we going to make it happen? Let's make it happen. That's why we're only doing the stage. Then we're going to do it again. Amen? Because it's going to get bigger. Increasing measure. 
That's what we should desire within our lives. See, when you get close to Jesus, he changes your lifestyle. Are you with me? And that's a good, good thing. I am so glad he changed my lifestyle. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 11. Amen. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a saint. We're not talking about an idol on a wall. Amen. We're talking about you. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of what? The faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. See, when you get close to Jesus, you've got to grow up. You've got to begin to walk in maturity. See, some of us, man, we get so problematic because we're not getting close to Jesus. And we have the same problems year after year after year where, where God has spoken to us. You know, God has spoken to many of you. Many of you have been called to go try out another country, check out another land, and, and you're still sitting in the same place because you're problematic. You're still dealing with the same issues as you were when you were one year in the Lord. I'm saying it as a kuya, older brother. I love you guys. Amen? So please love me back. If not, it's okay. But I love you anyhow. Love is unilateral. I love you anyway. But you have to understand something here, man. God wants us to have that unity of the faith. Could you imagine if everyone in sitting here tonight was in unity? Could you imagine how the vision would progress? As soon as you knock this wall, it's going to fill up right away. Amen? Amen. Then you're going to be looking for a bigger place. Hallelujah. And that's going to happen. But first, we've got to be in the unity of the faith. We've got to get next to Jesus and say, God, increase the measure. I know it's going to take finance. I know it's going to take labor. I know it's going to take toil. But we're in it together. This is our house. We've got to fight for what we believe. Don't let the devil lie to you in your finances. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Ask any boxer. Amen? You better give. See, the only way we're going to grow to maturity is by wanting more Jesus. Now, how can you tell when someone has spent time with Christ? They're always sharing a revelation. They're not gossiping. They're not talking about the leadership. They're not talking about this and about that. They're not even talking about the A's losing tonight. Amen. Did they lose? Well, okay, I won't say it, but we all know. <laughs> Detroit's playing good ball. I mean, you gotta, we got to use wisdom, you know. <laughs> and the Raiders, amen. There's always next year, our favorite saying. I'm a Raider fan, but I'm going to be real. 
I'm going to be real. I mean, don't live in a dream la-la land, man. You, you got to, you know, the truth. Stand for the truth. Amen? Now everybody's mad at me, man. I downed the A's. <laughs> I downed the I was born in Oakland, okay? I'm, I'm Oaktown all the way. I'm Oaktown, man. But see, whatever's in your heart is going to fill your life. And it's going to come out. The Bible said they're edifying the body. That word edifying in the Greek means to lay as a foundation. And when you begin to edify the body, we're laying a foundation of edification. And that it brings nothing but positive. There's no negative. It brings positive. Sure, we can take this city. Sure, we can do what God called us to do. We sent out, you guys sent a lot of babies out. A lot of baby churches. Out. We're not done. It's only just begun. But you've got to get together. You've got to get in unity and see this vision come to pass. God wants to do great, greater things. Greater things. And I see it in the spirit. But you've got to see it. And the closer you get to Jesus, you're going to begin to see it. Turn with me. To Second Peter, I feel so much better tonight than I preached last Sunday. I was real sick. I had some kind of infection. It began to go through my body. And I was really ill. And I, I told my wife, I feel like I'm dying. And uh, I went to see Dr. Maxine. <laughs> and she juiced me up with some antibiotics, and I feel okay now. But I was really sick. Dr. Max. Amen. Second Peter, chapter 1, beginning of verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound... You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what's going to happen, that is going to bring a spirit of love and unity and power and anointing within his church like never before. Like never before. What comes out of your life? What comes out of your life? Are you diligent in the things of God? Do you have self-control? We were talking about anger. I seen Pastor Steve, we were at a, a Mighty Men of Valor thing, I believe it was. And you know how they take the pastors in and they'll, they'll serve you. And the lady was with the tray of drinks. She dumped the whole tray of, of sodas on Pastor Steve. And he didn't say nothing. He just kind of, well, you know how that, that look he has? <laughs> he went like that. I go, man, I would have got mad, you know. <laughs> but see, I got to grow in that self-control. We were talking the other day about Pastor Lenny. I only seen him get mad one time. Remember? I don't know if you remember this. I was saying, go, Lenny, go, man, come on, come on. All he did, he, he turned red, his ears got red, and he went, and that was it. <laughs> and I'm rooting for him, come on, man, let him have it, let him have it, man. He went. <laughs> See, just kind of like that, yeah. <laughs> He's mad now, amen. Let's move on. Okay, number two. I think we've been there long enough, Hallelujah. They have boldness and spiritual authority. The more someone is with Jesus, the more that person becomes like Jesus. Look with me real quickly to Proverbs 28. Real fast. 
And we're going to look at verse 1. Let me know when you're there. I hear that joyful noise. I love this verse. 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Wow. Wow. Don't you want to be bold as a lion? Bold in Hebrew means secure, confident. See, that's what happens when you're close to Jesus, man, because you're secure in him. You're confident in him. You know that he's got your back. No matter what you're going through. Because, man, we face trials every day. We go through problems every day. But when we, one thing we know for sure, we can be confident that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. No matter what we're going through, he is with us. He's got our back. He's fighting with us. Are you with me? That's exactly what the synagogue rulers saw in Peter and John. Now, think about this. Those dudes were intimidating, those high priests. They had the ornamental robes, the big hats. The giant throne chairs, they were like the, they were like the kings in the, in the temple. People would bow before they walk, oh, so proud. We have the authority to do whatever we want. But Peter and John said, bring it on, baby. We don't care. Bring it on. You don't scare us. We got Christ. They were bold. They were secure. They were confident. Are you with me? Because they had a word from God. They had a word from God. Go back to Acts chapter 4 with me real quick. A lot of scripture. Are you there? Acts chapter 4 verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, in other words, they put them right in the middle, right in the hot seat. They asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? In other words, what they were saying, we are the law around here. We are the ones that give authority. We are the ones that take authority away. Who do you think you are healing this guy? Who do you think you are preaching to us? Who do you think you are? And they got bold. Why? Because they were secure in who they were in Christ. You know, my biggest fear was always speaking in public. I remember my first testimony. I was in the home. Pastor Steve said, oh, we're going to have Daryl testify. And I was freaking out, man. My knees were knocking. And I, <laughs> I stood up with my little crutches. And I said, I love Jesus. I sat down. And Pastor Steve said, oh, man, a few words. <laughs> but I didn't know what to say. But, see, I'm not going to let fear stop me from doing what God called me to do. You've got to let your fear feed your faith. Amen. Some of you, man, you're called to preach the gospel. Some of you, you know in your spirit that you should be on the street rallies sharing what God has done in your life, but you're walking in fear. You're letting the devil set you up. You're letting the devil paralyze you. But you got to say, you know what, devil? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to believe God for a miracle. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get bold. Then we won't be able to shut you up. Amen. That's what God does. Once he opens us up, it's, it's over. Amen. And he began to preach with passion. Remember, the righteous stand secure and confident. They had nothing to hide. They can stand before anybody with a clear conscience. <laughs> it reminds me of a story. Remember that time they were in me and you were in the home or something? I'm not going to say his name. And they brought that little demon possessed girl. Me, me and Eva, you know, we're, we're shandoing, man. We're speaking in tongues. All of a sudden, this other guy goes, yabba dabba doo. 
Remember that? And the devil started pulling his covers because he had secret sin in his life. He wasn't confident. He wasn't secure. And the devil began to pull his covers. He's yabba-dabba-doing right out the door. Amen. You remember that? That was funny. <laughs> but, yeah, you got to be secure, man. You don't have nothing hidden. Have a clear conscience. We have the authority to stand up to any demon in hell, and you need to know that. But my, the last Sunday in our church, before we're getting ready to get on the plane, we're having powerful worship. A demon started to manifest in the women's home. So we brought her to the front, front of the church. We cast the devil out. She went back in and got ministered to. But then after the church, I walk out, and there's a, a demon-possessed lady cussing me out. Yeah, outside the church, right outside of our church. See, the devil's mad at us because why? We're distinguishing mark. We got a mark upon our life. The devil don't like it, but he has no power to stop us from what God called us to do. You need to understand that. Guys in the home, stay in the home. Don't listen to the devil pull you out. He's a liar. I felt like leaving the home every day, but I didn't. I said, I'm leaving tomorrow. No, I'm going to leave tomorrow. I'm going to leave tomorrow, but I'm not going to go today. I'm still in the home. Amen. It's been a long time. But that's the way you got to fight. Sure, you're going to feel like leaving. Don't let the devil slap you. That's what he does. He slap you around like a stepchild. It's true. And some of you like it. Let every demon in hell see the presence of God upon your life. Don't be like the seven sons of Sceva. Be like Paul. Paul I know. I don't know you guys. Let the devil know your name. When Jesus went to the other side of the lake in Mark chapter 5, as soon as he stepped out of the boat, what happened? That demon-possessed man with 5,000 demons fell at his feet. He had no other choice. There was nothing he could do. See, the devil's got to fall before Christ every single time. Those devils didn't have a chance. We're possessed by God. We're possessed by God. You ever think about that? I'm possessed by God. Who can stop me? Who can stop me? No one. Because Christ is in us. Those devils had to leave. You know what happened? That demon-possessed guy, victory, another victory outreach guy, he went out and he reached the whole region. He evangelized the whole region. And he saw the miracle of God upon his life because he was marked. He had the mark. Are you with me? He didn't hide it. Thirdly, there's evidence that God is with them. Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 14 again. And seeing the men who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Verse 16. Saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle had been done through them is evident to all. Who dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. You can't deny it when God's moving. You can't deny it. The Bible said he was standing. The, the, the Greek word means to stand, to make firm, to establish, or to cause a person to take his place. You know that God has a place for you? God has a place. That's why he set me free from the demons that were in my life. Because Jesus had a place for me. 
He had a place. He's got a place for you. And he wants to put you in that place, in the proper place. So you're standing where God wants you to stand. Not where you think you should stand, but where God thinks you should stand. Are you with me? And that's what happened with this man. The evidence was plain in the sight of everybody. In other words, when God is moving and working and you're close to Jesus, man, there's fruit within your life. There's fruit physically and there's fruit spiritually. Are you with me? Now look at verse 29. We're going to move a little faster. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, they didn't pray for protection. They prayed for power. They prayed for souls to be saved. They prayed for healing. Are, are you with me? See, we're not asking to be saved from pain. We're going to have pain in our life. We're not asking to be saved from persecution. There is going to be persecution in our life. We're not asking to be saved from death. Death is inevitable. But he says, stretch forth your hand. That word signifies power. That God would send power and direction within their lives so they would say and do the right thing, that there would be healings and miracles and signs and wonders and salvations. That's what they prayed for. In other words, they say, saturate us, God. Saturate us with your power. That's what they wanted. They didn't care about the, the opposition. They didn't care about the problems of their life. They looked beyond the problem. And we have to look beyond the problem to the solution, which is Christ. Saturate us with your power. Saturate us with your anointing. Let me pray for my enemies. Let me love my enemies. Heal my enemies. Save my enemies. That's really what he was saying here. You know what happens when we begin to be in unity in that area? And we're all asking for that prayer? People are going to be driving by this church and start weeping and not know why. People are going to walk in and not know why they're coming. They're going to be broken in the spirit of God. Because we're in unity and prayer and worship. We're all in agreement. And we just want to see healing signs and wonders. We want to see salvation. We want to see souls reached. And, man, there's going to be revival breaking out in Hayward. And it's going to spread from here all over the world. But you've got to believe it. Let your faith grow. Be in unity. Are you with me? Let the people see that you've been with Jesus. Let them see your distinguishing mark. Don't hide it. Let the people see it. Let your family see it. You don't have to witness to them. They'll see it in your life. They'll see it in your life. The last distinguishing mark of those that have been with Jesus, number four, they go the extra mile. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're almost done. I promise. Say amen when you have it. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, the context, beginning in verse 38, is speaking about retaliation. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. 
In Exodus 21, it's a judicial principle that made punishment fit the crime. But believers are not to take justice into our own hands because why? That's vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We're not to do that. So verse 41 is talking about extra mile. Now in those days, the occupiers of Israel was Rome, right? Enemies. They were enemies. And he said, don't fight back against them. They're, they're occupying. They're your enemy, but you serve them. If one of them, in, in that day, it was a custom where the Roman soldier, if they were going out to battle, they could pick anybody and say, okay, I want you to carry my armor one mile. And they had to do it. It was a law. And Jesus is saying, well, if they ask you to take it one, take it two. Show them your love. Show them, show them the peace of God. Show them your heart. Show them that, that you're not afraid to go the extra mile. Show them that there's no animosity, there's no vengeance in your heart, that you love them anyhow. Are, are you with me? See, when you've been with Jesus, you can't help but go the extra mile. You can't. Why do you think we love the unlovable? Why do you think we love people that come into our homes and rip us off and we let them back in when they come again? Amen? Because we love them. We go the extra mile with them. We also go the extra mile in doing things for God. We don't do things halfway. We go all the way. If, if you're going to go, you're going to be an extra mile Christian, man, be a quality Christian. Be quality. Everything you do, you give it your best. Don't do it halfway. Man, I remember when I was in the home at, at Western, I, I used to watch Pastor Steve enter the sanctuary just because I wanted to know, I wanted to have his heart. I would just watch him. I would observe him. And there was a sound booth in the back. He would always walk in. The first thing he'd do is run his finger along the sound booth. He'd look at it, see if it was dust. Then he would check out the rows of the chairs, make sure all the lines were straight. Then he would come up to the altar, and he'd start picking up lint. Remember that? He would always do every, it was routine. He would always do that, checking for spider webs. He didn't like spider webs. And I said, one day when I get the opportunity to clean this church, my pastor won't have to pick up lint no more. He won't have to get dirt on his finger no more. He won't have to get cobwebs anymore because they're not going to be there anymore. When he looks in the toilet, he's going to see his face. That's extra mile Christianity. When no one's looking, what are you doing? No one's looking. You know, everybody wants to get up here. This isn't where it's at. It's down there. It's behind the scenes. That's what builds churches. That's what takes cities. When you've been with Jesus, you've got to go the extra mile. The first century Christians were all extra mile Christians. They would do anything for Christ. Success comes in the extra mile. See, achievers are willing to go out and put effort and do anything to accomplish our goals. Consistency comes in the extra mile. You're going to be consistent in church. You're going to be consistent in prayer, in your Bible study, in your family. In every area of your life, you'll be consistent as the worship team comes. Extra mile Christians are willing to do anything for God. Let me tell you something about God. He's funny. He won't ask you to do something you want to do. He'll ask you to do something you don't want to do. To check your obedience. To see if you're extra mile or not. Tell you the truth, I never wanted to pastor a church because I seen what they go through. I didn't want that. I just wanted to be a second guy. I just wanted to help out. But God will ask you to do things you don't want to do. Where's your heart? Do you have a distinguishing mark in your life? 
Distinguished in Webster means marked by excellence. Dignified in appearance or behavior. Marked for honor. Those are the types of people God has called us to be. See, when you have been with Jesus, you look for the extra mile. You don't wait for somebody to tell you about it. You look for it. And when you see it, you do something about it. You make it happen. That's what it's all about. That's how we can tell if you've been with Jesus. We serve an extra mile Savior. He proved it. He didn't have to come here. He didn't have to give his life. He didn't have to come and, you know, he knew everything that was going to happen. Could you imagine 12 years old in a temple reading Isaiah about what was going to happen to himself? Could you imagine that? How he was going to be beaten. By his stripes we are healed. Hebrew, it's one, it's singular. By his stripe. They whipped all the skin off his back. He read that in the original language. He saw it. He goes, man, they're going to beat me. They're going to rip out my beard. They're going to hang me on a cross. But I got to do it. I got to go the extra mile because I love my children. That's what happens when you serve an extra mile Savior. You can't help it. When every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father, forgive us for those times that we put ourselves before you. The times we're just satisfied with the status quo. The times that we're not hungering for you, God. Forgive us. Let us never forget what you did for us on Calvary. Teach us to be bold in spiritual authority. Teach us to go the extra mile. Teach us to love one another. Bring unity and harmony, God. If you're here and God has ministered to you,